How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, not as good as you. Little playoff run coming for you. And uh, about that time, I was just looking at this top 10 at uh, each position list that you came up with. And it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I'm just, you know, a little bit of quick quick uh, statistics for everybody to look at. And I think it gives uh, it gives everybody a good window as, as far as how many power plays each team has. And uh, I think that's a good window into who's going to, be a staying power and maybe who's getting lucky and you know stuff like that so yeah I definitely agree so I think Tommy is at the top of that list with seven top ten players between quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end yeah I was uh, in typing this up like the, it's weird you know in, in doing something like this the one thing that really stuck out to me was when I was doing wide receivers because like Tommy has three two of the top three and then like three of the top six so that, that's just crazy but then you look at the same list it's like Chuck has two of the top four and three of the top like seven so it's uh I was getting real sick of typing both of their names to be completely honest <laughs> yeah I see you dropped the H on a couple of these for Chuck it's like that was just kind of to save some yeah, time you know um, it's uh, the, the first one was a little bit of a typo and then I, I like corrected it and I said you know maybe maybe we'll just leave that maybe we'll uh, somehow sprinkle some uh, some weakness onto onto Chuck for the playoffs uh, via Chuck <laughs> label and uh, you know maybe maybe it'll pay off for Tommy here right well and to your point to you know you have guys that you're expecting I guess most of the guys you're expecting to be in the top 10 for all these, there's not a lot of surprises. Is there anybody that stood out to you? Um, I mean, the first one that pops out for me is, is Robinson um, running back four in between Henry and Aaron Jones. Yeah, somebody, you know, James Robinson. That nobody could really have predicted was going to be in the top five, you know, fell into a really good position, uh, like team position as far as what they like to do. And then just the situation of Fournette not being happy there, and then them being like, "Whoa, we gotta throw somebody in there." Um, really paid off for him. Yeah, and I don't even know what the lesson is with that too, because I remember in that period of time there was Fournette was gone, and there was you know several backs there, and I completely ignored him because I, you know, he didn't stand out in any way. But man, he hit. Super hard. I, I honestly think he's he's kind of what some people hope Clyde Edwards Lair would, would be right away. And I think Clyde Edwards Lair is gonna be just fine. He's I think he's having a good season statistically, but Robinson is man, he catches the ball. He's kind of that bowling ball body type and he's he's almost doing a better impersonation of Edward Solaire than than the actual player. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that seems like he's always falling forward, always getting a yard or two, you know, not not getting stopped in the back so much, which is pretty interesting being that like the Jags don't really have much of a passing game to balance him out. So, you know, it's it is pretty incredible. And kinda of to go back to you about the whole uh, the blitz of when 
nobody really knew what was happening with that backfield. I just remember everybody trying to just grab whatever piece that they could, like hoping that was going to be the piece that somehow rose to the top. So, you know, people were grabbing like, uh, I think a Zigbo was one of them. And there, there was. And then Armstead was another one. I, re- I remember that too. I think everybody got kind of tired of doing that too. And James Robinson was closer to the beginning of the season. And by that point, there'd been so much shuffling back and forth that everybody was just kind of like, believe Joff was the only person to bid on him. Um, But do you, would you, do you buy him staying at this level? If you didn't have him in dynasty, would you be, he probably costs a, 2021 first would you are you i think the talent is absolutely there the team is total shit and the line is what uh, it's not like a great situation necessarily I but it's are you buying that I think it's tough just because i i feel like for some reason when teams don't have very much draft stock in somebody they for some reason just don't want to stick with the guy i like i honestly don't know why mm. it is I, honest, honestly, a lot of it is contract situation because when you have a guy with high draft value, I think you have them kind of locked up for a while versus, you know, somebody maybe that was an undrafted free agent or you got super low in the draft. And I'm still locked down contractually as long. So I think it's easier for them to move on from them. And then, you know, you get a guy that's only locked down for two years, maybe or three years on contract and he's just blowing up. Well, that payday's coming soon, coming due real soon. Yeah, and there's something to be said about draft capital for the NFL team. They definitely they put a lot of stock in it. Yeah, it'll be interesting because if he doesn't get any company and then they, they're they going to get a quarterback, they're going to be just like the Jets. They're going to get fields probably. They're going to immediately, you know, all the ships are going to arise the second they get a quarterback. So if he, if he doesn't get any company in the draft he's gonna be good man yeah and you know if, if if i'm the gm of that team i'm definitely wanting to ride with robinson he showed he can do it you know you don't have he's not talking very much um, cap space uh, you sign maybe you go out and sign a sign a quarterback maybe go out and try to get a big name wide receiver or a tight end for your new quarterback because you know new quarterbacks usually love their tight ends so you know, and then that opens up Robinson even more. So he's definitely uh, one of the biggest surprises on, on these lists here. Um, I think another one that that sticks out for me, and it's you know kind of a surprise type thought, is uh, is Gibson. Uh, he's just having yeah. crazy. And he, you know, he wasn't even the lead back or really getting that much work at the beginning of the season. So I think that speaks even more to like that he's number nine on this uh, on the running back list. Absolutely. He, I think he had less than 40 carries in his final year, which probably was his junior season. I, again, like, I don't know what the lesson, so, you know, you're trying to see what happens. And then next year we're going to be doing this whole thing again with rookies and you're trying to figure out like, what's the lesson. What did I miss or what? I, I don't, he's super, super athletic and he almost, you know, exclusively, I think was more of a pass catcher. And then just, I mean, 35, I think it was 31, 35 carries, something like that. That means you're really like very change of pacey as far as that usage. So he came in and I rem- I think when they let AP go, he said, uh, that was who they let go, right? Um, I, yeah, he said, this is his team. Like, 
he, he can handle it. And so he must have seen the writing on the wall too. The crazy thing but absolutely, that was surprising. The crazy thing, I don't know if it's like smart or dumb, but the, um, the fact that uh, they didn't really start giving him the work early, you know, they, they uh, kind of eased him into it. They were rolling with Peyton Barber, McKissick, all that. And um, so just the, you know, in retrospect, it was probably really smart that they didn't just try to rush the guy straight into a bunch of work. Yeah, and I mean, we're seeing the same thing with uh, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, and Dobbins especially. You know, Dobbins is the last guy that's hasn't quite had that game. I think Dobbins has done it in, like, smaller windows where he's been super efficient. So the second that guy gets, you know, the game like Akers got with, I think, 28 carries or something. Once Dobbins gets that, if he gets that, I think he probably will, you know, um, he should explode too. But, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes you think about next year. There's going to be guys that start slow and, you know, are those guys buy lows because maybe it's just that these guys are all that talented, but they are all starting to hit, you know, down the stretch these last couple of games. Yeah, I think that speaks to the, like, running back class that just got drafted. How how awesome the whole running back class was. And, and again, how you can't only just go by um, landing spot because – you know, JT didn't seem like he was mm. in the best place until Marlon Mack got hurt, and then it was just like, oh, jackpot. And, you know, you can never predict any of those things. So, you know, we obviously, like, Swift was laying in a good spot because there was not really, like, a lead lead back. <clears throat> Same with, like, Akers um, going to L.A. So, you know, he had some good, mm-hmm. some good landing spots for those guys, but it seemed like, oh, Clyde Edwards, you know, he's definitely going to be the guy. And then, you know, he's been good, but I think it speaks to how insanely good that Chiefs offense is, specifically Tyreek Hill, because you just can't stop the guy. You can try to, but it still doesn't have this thing to happen. I think that's an excellent point. Like, it's it's not even necessarily about CEH at all. I think he, the more opportunity that he gets, he's clearly shown that he can, you know, he can perform, he can be an excellent, like not just a dump off pass catcher, but running routes kind of thing. And he hasn't really done that much of that yet. And that kind of has me wondering whether or not he's just kind of figuring out blocking and stuff like that. And once he does, then the explosion comes. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I think his stats are pretty decent and there's not a lot of doubt that he's going to hit hard too. Um, and he kind of already is, but you know, not as hard. It's 31. Like, are you, like legitimately you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Kelsey, you have Tyreek Hill. Like it's third and one and you need to get that yard. Like you are not going to put the ball in, in CH's hands. It's just not what you're going to do when you have those other, when you have those other players on your team. So. I absolutely agree. Yeah, so I'm looking at any other surprises. Um, like wide receivers, pretty top to bottom. I'm pretty surprised that um, Jefferson. Jefferson but, and I was actually pretty surprised that Allen Robinson was that high on the list, you know, considering all the, the good receivers in the league. So that was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, I was happy to see that. It's weird that <laughs> it started out Trubisky and. I even know, like, on Twitter, I was both, like, just praying for the Nick Foles start, and then you get Nick Foles, and you're like, Nick Foles kind of sucks. And then eventually it comes full circle, and people are begging for Trubisky. And he actually had a pretty – I didn't see that much of it, but uh, I saw a couple highlights and a couple, like, kind of Mahomes-like throws where he was sidearm, throwing at angles and stuff. So 
He's another interesting one. I mean, um, like he's you know, he's playing for like his career at this point in a weird way. You know, I like if he uh, like somehow do pretty well. I don't know that he gets another starting job somewhere. I think someone might take him at like use him as a backup because uh, he'd be a serviceable backup. Yeah. But you know, if he doesn't end this season well, I, I'm not really sure what his future entails. I think you're right. I mean, Chicago is the place that you hear when you hear about quarterback landing spots, and I think there's a lot of them. But that's one of the main ones you hear because neither one are good, and probably he's not the long-term answer, so they're going to be looking somewhere else. Um, you like to relive uh, the, the trade that Chicago did to get Trubisky? Yeah. <laughs> Just gave, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I remember they traded the house to move up like one spot. Yeah, it's yeah, that didn't work out. You know, speaking of wide receivers that I mean, maybe aren't in the top 10, but I've got to talk about Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is, I think he's wide receiver 20 overall. Guy's and solid. I mean, that's, Guy's just been solid. <laughs> right? Um, so I was looking at his stats and his, his first six weeks – he was running about half the snaps, like a little bit over 50%. And then about halfway through the season, he bumped up to almost 80%. And the guy, the guy's a fucking animal. He's He's got a 12-target game where he had 11 catches for 112 yards. He's got a 13-target game where he had 11 catches for 109 and a score. And last week, I guess this was two weeks ago, he had a nine catch, 130 yards in a touchdown game. Um, dude, he's. He, I don't know what changed because he's he's always been. Do you feel like he's always been a good but not like above average but not great wide receiver? He's like another wide receiver three, right? Like he's so for, so since forever. Little context um, for Buffalo. Did Did Brown get hurt somewhere mid season? Yeah, he's been hurt on it. I mean, I think he just got activated off the IR again, but I feel like he's had at least two injuries that have, that's a good point, that have kind of sidelined him. And then I think it's Gabriel Davis who kind of steps in, but he's basically just a deep threat. He's not, he doesn't command targets, obviously, like John Brown does. Really, you know, he was, uh, I've always felt like he, like you said, he's not like amazing. He's never going to be a wide receiver one anywhere, but he's a guy that, I think quarterbacks trust. So they know he's going to run. They mm. know that he's going to run a good route. They know, okay, if he's supposed to run three yards and slant, like they can count on him being where he's supposed to be. And in those key situations, I think that's huge. And they can count on him catching the ball. Like I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen him drop the ball. That's such a good point. Hey, I, I'm thinking back to a game when he played for the Cowboys. It could have been two years ago, probably two or three years ago, but it's like a fourth down play where he catches, it's a terrible pass and he catches the ball. He has to reach back far enough to where he can't get his hand all the way behind it. So he just pins it to his helmet and runs out of bounds. And I remember, I do remember thinking at that time, man, Beasley's got, he's got a little juice. He's a little bit more than your average slot receiver. And, you know, he, he's basically taken off this year. He's okay. So in Dallas, he was the wide receiver 71, wide receiver 53, and then he had a really good year last year. 
Um, and he was wide receiver 35. And now top 20, man. Yeah. Top 20 wide receiver. I think, you know, as his career goes on, he's, I think those are those slogs here specifically get better, like reading those zones and kind of like knowing where they need to like sit down in that zone to be open. Um, and he, I think his style of play like works well with Josh Allen as far as like that scramble and just get open and catch the ball. So the Bills have been really exciting to yeah. this year. And that last game, uh, Josh Allen just just talking about oh. all the digs was pretty was pretty crazy. Yeah, and like a Josh Allen, that could be a whole podcast because I, I've all me and Mike have always gone back and forth. Like, I'm not betting on this guy to all of a sudden improve, but he he looks amazing. And shout out to Kev too. I was looking at the transaction history on this, and it looks like he added Beasley for no fab in the at the very end of July. So what a good pick! You know, it's crazy how uh, fantasy turns in, into a lot of those pickups. Yeah, and that's how you win, man. You get a guy like that for free, and you have a top twenty asset. And in the chat, he'll say like, "Oh, Beasley's my, you know, my best play." It's like, yeah, he is. He's a he pops off. He goes ten plus targets and all that. Um, So this is kind of like on a related note. Have you ever heard of hashtag visor takes before? Like helmet visor? Uh, I don't don't think so. You might have to. uh, You might have to enlighten me. I'm not, it's, so it's basically like this very, I'm not surprised you haven't heard of it. It was some thread in the middle of the summer on Twitter, but it was basically a thread that was showing the first reveals of players in training camp and what kind of visors that they had or didn't have. And then correlating that to they're going to have a good season or not. And what? Yeah, so one I remember was Cam Akers, and Cam Akers had just the absolute sickest, like, rainbow visor, just looked great in his uniform. And then Daryl Henderson just had no visor at all. And they were, I think the story was basically he went to the equipment manager and was trying to get a visor, and like, oh, oh shit, no, we just, we just gave the last one to Cam. So, but anyways, the idea was, like, you know, based off that. So... I was thinking about that and what had changed with Beasley since, I don't know, man, seven or eight years of being like a, I mean, there was points where he was like the wide receiver 91 and 79. So like four weeks ago, I remember him making a play and he takes off his helmet and he's got like, he's always had like that long hair, like any, any dude that, you know, has the exact same hair. It's like shoulder length, but I noticed that he had like the sides shaved up and then he had it up. He kind of did like the hair flicked down and back up and like split it up in a man bun. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's rocking the man bun and maybe it's giving him a little bit of extra, extra swag on the field. I think it's possible because this is like, this is like a working theory, but maybe there's like a, a man bun correlation because the other guy that showed up with a man bun is big Bob Tonk. Ooh. Uh, Bob Conklin. I didn't know he was sporting the man bun as well, and you know his his season has taken off. Um, didn't they? Didn't the Packers last year take a tight end pretty high? I can't remember the person's name. Yeah, what's that guy's name? Deguara or something like that. I think actually... him, man. They had another like. Oh, man. I should, I should have had this all prepped for this, but... Um, oh, yeah, they had they had Sternberger. That's right. And he was... 
he was going to be the guy. And speaking of top 10, I think, I think Tanyan is like the tight end four right behind Hawkinson. So anyway, yeah, he trained with Kittle. He got the man bun and then he went from, I think he was tight end 71 last year and now he's tight end three. So he, he's put though the the tight end situation has just been crazy this year as far as like trying to have a consistent uh tight end you know if you look at our point situation i think here's something crazy to point out travis kelsey would be the wide receiver three wow wow and he i think i heard that he's he's definitely gonna break like the tight end yardage record record this year for sure and that's another guy who has him in our league uh, Kenny is that yep. Kenny wow you know you look at him in like a startup draft you're like oh he's like he's got some some years on him but I feel like he's not slowing down at all I think he's six months younger than Gronk or something and they couldn't have a different <laughs> like a different trajectory oh dang yeah that's crazy something that I was you know I don't know if you remember when we had when we held the vote for to make our elite tight end premium. I think we're like enacting that next year, but um, I was super against it actually for the reason of if you don't have Kelsey or Kittle or Waller, like I'm like you do not want tight end premium, and so uh, definitely um, would have affected my drafting strategy. I think if I knew that we would be <laughs> like trending that way ever, and. I'm, I was brand new to both Dynasty and Superflex when I drafted. So if I could go back, man, my draft would be much different. But, you know, you learn, and this is the team I got. So, you know, got to do the best. You know, doing pretty good. Make, making it to, to some playoffs, you know. Well, yeah, man. And you got Mark Andrews. You have, like, what, you think he's the tight end six. And he had the COVID stuff. And I'll get to him in a little bit, too, because there's some good stats on him. But... You're looking good, man. You're, you're really looking good. Yeah, he's a, he's a clutch piece of that offense. Like, it's, I, I always feel like um, their offense is much better when they get him going early. When teams are like, oh, shit, yeah, they got this guy too, and having to try to defend him, and that's when it's all over for that run game. They can just keep pounding the rock. They have to get him going because Holly, you know, Hollywood is so hit or miss that – yeah, Andrews is kind of guys that it, that it runs through. I don't know how so, coordinator is, but I really feel like um, whoever their offensive coordinator is doesn't necessarily do a good enough job of like getting players spread out on the field in those passing situations into places that like they are going to be successful. Like, I don't want Hollywood running across the middle necessarily unless it's like super deep middle because guy's going to get blown up. He's tiny. Where I want Mandrews sitting in that middle space because he could take a shot from the linebacker and take on to the ball. Yeah. And you kind of just wonder, is it just the fact that, like, not that Hollywood isn't talented, but is it just that they don't have, like, an alpha? Because Mark Andrews with, I don't know, man, any alpha, and they, they might be hitting the draft or something like that, but you almost need Andrews. It feels like they're missing the alpha receiver because Andrews is – so good and can easily play that role but if you can be a tight end and be that good and be like a 1a 1b situation then i think that's kind of that feels like what they're missing a little bit but it could just be lamar missing deep ball 
balls. I mean, it seems like every time you watch him play, and they had another one uh, the other night where, I mean, he has them open. He threw the one that won the game, obviously, but early early in that game, there was maybe one or two where he's his, just kind of like a shitty pass. I don't know. His throwing motion always looks so, like, unnaturally unnatural. Like, the mechanics of it don't look natural to me. Like, he's trying way too hard to, like, okay, it has to go right here. Where, like, when you watch yeah. Tom or, like, <laughs> Rogers throw the ball, like, they just huck that thing and they know it's going where it's supposed to go. They're not even worried about it. So, I don't know if that has something to do with it. That Jackson's not, like, a natural passer, but, I don't know, every time he throws the ball, I always feel like, at least recently, that he's just trying to, like, place it too hard or something he's thinking about it i i would agree with that hey so this is a little bit of changing gears and i mean should we talk about the elephant in the room the uh the dk metcalf trade and how that looks i think that happened i looked it up it happened week seven and the trade was tommy got dk metcalf and sent fulgum is 2021 first, which is looking like it could be, I mean, 111, 112. Yeah. Third to last pick. Right. Something up there. And then a 2021 second. So I, this was honestly surprising to me a little bit. I looked up his game logs, Fulgham's game logs since that trade. So he traded him in week seven and probably felt pretty good the next week because he played Dallas and Fulgham went six for 78 in the score. So that was kind of about the middle of what he'd been doing better and a little lower than that, but he kind of hit like his median game based on the last month. And then they had a bye. and listen to this. They play the giants. He gets one for eight. They play Cleveland. He gets one for eight. They play Seattle not a good pass defense. He gets two for 16 and they play Green Bay week 13 and he got absolutely blanked. Yeah. So he's at, so since the bye, he's averaging eight yards a game. Yeah. I don't know. I obviously, uh, he was never, uh, in the plans for the team. And I don't know who I was listening to say this, but they were talking about NFL teams on their bye week and they're like, Week to week in NFL team, like you don't really have that much time to like go back and be like what's working, what's not working. You only really have time to be like preparing for the next team and what they do. So your bye week is really your chance for self reflection. And they must have been like, why the hell are we focusing on Travis Fulgham so much when we have other people that we should be trying to get the ball to? Which, you know, didn't really work out too well for them after after that until they threw Jalen Hurts in last week. But uh yeah, that, that's a really interesting uh, split there, especially before and after the bye week. And yeah, just kind of it's not. compound that trade <laughs> a million fold of like, oh, Jensen cannot be feeling great about that. No, and he's, you know, the thing though too, it's, you know, it's obviously we're not bringing it up to be like, wow, because with any dynasty trades, you make the trade at the time and then you probably are honestly not going to know how it turned out for several years, especially when there are picks involved. So Jensen's a great drafter and uh, he's got two shots that late first should be really good this year. And I think this class is going to be really deep too. So he's got uh, 
a second as well, which is going to be like top half of the second. So it's it's far from like a you know oh yeah bad I, trade. I um, Jacobs and um, Dalvin Cook for a seek, which just looks absolutely embarrassing at this point. So yeah, it's it's not to like talk shit, but it's just like you know it was a it was a big trade that happened. So I don't think it can it cannot be discussed. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. And again, um, you know, Fulgham, I, I picked him up in like a kind of for fun, smaller dynasty league, and I wasn't trying to sell him. I thought he looked great. I thought he would stick around. So, you know, Rager back and like uh, Darren and Tommy talking about on their podcast, it's the Eagles have a bunch of old dudes. And so there's way more than a non zero chance that they cut a lot of those guys and cut the fat and then you got Rager and you got Fulgham. I mean, they don't, you know, ward and stuff like, it's like, there's yeah. room for him to be there and he's talented, man. So maybe Hertz and, uh, and Mr. Arcega Whiteside, we got a little connection from playing on the second string. Oh, together. Yes. Like you never know. I don't know. Just, just float that out there. Sega. Uh, I, I wanted to maybe float out here is, uh, it, it does appear that maybe some of the Delco guys are uh, funneling assets to, um, to Darren and Tommy, so you know I'm gonna keep an eye out on that and see if uh, maybe they got like some sort of mafia ring going on or something. Yeah, I mean, anytime Jensen's involved, you got to think there could be some kind of mafia esque, you know, trickle down, a quid whatever you want to call it, quid pro quo going on. <laughs> pro- Right, right. But anyway, so yeah, I just want to dip in on that. And again, you know, Fulgham, the same way you can't call the player for his career after the first five games, you can't call it for these most recent five games. You know, um, I think he, I think he's talented, so he could definitely bounce back in 2021. So now we're there, man. I mean, you got a playoff game this weekend. There's some really good games. Do you have, do you have a, a guy or is there somebody in mind that you think is gonna is gonna be that dude this year that's gonna you know it's gonna swing it for a certain team it's gonna um, you know, have that blow up 30 40 point game. i'm thinking that uh tommy's gonna be able to ride the derrick henry train uh at least into the playoffs but uh i put a lot of pennies on the track in the championship for him so if, if we make it there together i'm hoping they derail that train so um, but I really think Derek Henry is one of those pieces that's just incredible. And he's got a great schedule. So that's something. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Derek Henry is definitely one of those guys that I think is, is going to win the championships. Um, I have him and Chubb together in a redraft league. So I'm hoping that that's a winner. Oh, absolutely. This time of year. So it's, it's funny you say that because we didn't really talk. We talked about like basically picking a guy out of the hat who we think is going to be that guy. And that's, I actually looked up some stuff with Henry. So <laughs> listen to this. So some of his advanced stats from this year. So he, and this is out of all qualified running backs in the league. So he's number one in red zone touches. He's number one in carries. He's number one in rush yards. He's number one in breakaway runs. And he's also number one in yards created. And he's about to play Detroit, who I think is not dead last, but I think they're like third, maybe third or fourth from last in the league. They give up like 140 yards a game off the top of my head. And he's coming off a game of 26 carries for 215 yards and two scores. Yeah, I think... That's, that's a, so, like, 
you look at his stat line if you don't see the carries and you're probably like oh man that guy got a lot of work last game but that's only 26 carries so it's not like he was he got 40 carries and got tackled 40 times because I feel like that's what what matters in the NFL. It's like, well, how many times did another person slam their body into yours? And if you're like, okay, well, I've carried the ball 26 times, and what, do you have two touchdowns? Two touchdowns, and that's a great point. Like, he doesn't really get – I've seen Derrick Henry get – right. So I've seen him get blown up, like, one time, and I think it was last season where a linebacker came through and just – but otherwise, I've honestly never seen him take like that big of a hit because he's got long arms. He's not really much of a banger, actually. The, I watched this Brett Coleman breakdown one time, and he said his his best asset is actually his stiff arm. And if you watch like the, the runs against Jacksonville, or you watch any of these plays that we all remember that are just so fucking epic, a lot of it is that he has super long arms. He's obviously, he's what, 6'3", 250. But he's got such a big wingspan that guys, not only is he big, they can't get close enough to make the tackle. So he can just, like, if go back and watch some of those. It's like four big stiff arms that's, that's getting him there. So it, I always thought that was interesting because he's so big. You think of him as like a, uh, I do this. I don't know, man. He's like a, guys, yeah. Who's a banger? Yeah, somebody. Um, Jerome Bettis. Like, yeah, he's not. He's, he's like a glider, and once he gets up to speed, he's just, you know, he's got that stiff arm. So I agree, and I think that I, I hope that it happens this week and then not next week if, if you're in the championship. Yeah, I'm really you know? Um, uh, I, part of me, as much as I want to be and Tommy in this championship, Part of me wants the rematch of Chuck in the championship. Like I, I really think mm. just for the sake of like a storyline that that makes for the best storyline. But we'll see what's gonna happen. I'm really lucky to be on this side of the bracket that I'm on and not have to face either of them before I get to the championship. Though. Yeah, I think it's fortunate. I think it's definitely like a fortunate thing for you. You know, to be to be away from that, and you could probably, you know, any of us would probably say those two teams are anybody's ideas of the hottest teams in the league right now. And so, yeah, it's really nice that they're facing each other and that you don't have to to do that. Um, but so, <laughs> excuse me. Do you have do you have a favorite of those two that you think is going to win? I know that you know. And the other thing too is if Tommy wins he goes from winning the worst manager at the game right to the championship so that's that that would be another new story that would be a good story started from the bottom and now he's here uh mm. it, that that would be a, a pretty great story for tommy and you know when it when it comes to those teams in the championship i'm just trying to like briefly look at schedules right now but uh i think i'm gonna have to lean lean tommy and uh, in his podcast, he mentioned that his stack of uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones was going to be something that powered him. And I, I'm going to go ahead and agree on him with that. That 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 stack of those two dudes, because he got all of the touchdowns pretty much that Green Bay's going to score. Other than Aaron Rodgers running in one every here or there, and then maybe a deep strike to Alvin Scantling, like, those other two dudes are scoring all of their touchdowns. Dude, that's a great point. I mean, Adams is basically scoring touchdowns like he's 
doing goal line dives. I mean, they're giving him that many opportunities to, to score, and he, they're just they're playing out of their minds. And I love that Aaron Rodgers is likable now. <laughs> Next to Pat McAfee. But yeah, this guy's Great. Like rehabbed his image for him. Like, you know, I don't know if it was like an intentional thing. Like they were, they talked about it, but I really feel like uh, the whole Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays on Max's podcast has made Aaron Rodgers like a likable guy. He's just, he's just a dude, you know. And so the more that you can hear people sit chit chat, the more that you like them most of the time. Uh, Tommy also. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Maybe he knew him and like he knew him personally, and he's like, "This is all they got you all wrong." So I, I could definitely see that. That's happening. Um, so can I lay out a quick playoff theory really quick? Because I was I was looking at, you know, there's all this talk about Chuck and Mango's team, and this is this is how I think it's gonna go. So I think this week you're it's like the Dallas drip T D fueled W. Because when I look at your team, all I see is guys that score a lot of touchdowns and volume is great. They get that too. But when it comes down to it in these weeks, you know, we look back and whether it's Derrick Henry scoring, you know, he runs for 150, but he scores two touchdowns. Those, those touchdowns are a lot of times the difference makers. Totally. And that's what I think about when I look at your team. So you got Adam Thielen, right? So look up some stats on these guys. Adam Thielen is eighth in the league in deep targets. He's the wide receiver five in red zone targets, and he's the wide receiver three overall in total touchdowns. So the whole idea of, you know, Minnesota running through Dalvin Cook is true, but, I mean, look at what Jefferson's doing too. Like, you have to be – he's slinging the ball. He's throwing it deep. He's throwing it to both guys, and, you know – what do you think about Adam Thielen two touchdown game? Uh, I like it, and I think uh, another thing that supports that is that you know these last two weeks the Vikings get Chicago, who has a stout run defense, so those aren't going to be yards mm. for Dalvin Cook in that game. And then championship week, mm. Vikings get the Saints, so you got another just stout run defensive team that does not give up uh, yards on the ground. So. I, I, you know, I'm of course going to be uh, preferential to your to your theory here that uh, Adam Thielen is going to drive me to a championship. But I like the I like the data and the and the stats of uh, how many red zone targets he's getting and just overall touchdowns. I think is really uh, is really exciting for me. Um, I th- I yeah, think, he's so good in the red zone. I know there's something that you will mention a lot too is like um, either like progression or like regression to like a median number. And so another thing I think is relevant is that um, the Saints get the Chiefs and the Vikings coming up. And so talking about Michael Thomas here is Michael Thomas doesn't have a mm. touchdown on the year. And I don't think that that can can last i think that's is that true true man but you know he was out that's insane oh true yeah i guess that's right he didn't start playing until week nine but you know he still made it from week nine until now with no touchdowns which is pretty crazy that's really crazy when you know i'm only seeing maybe what you're seeing on red zone and stuff but when you when you watch um taste taste mill or drew Brees, who I, I think could be back week 15, but people are saying more likely maybe 16. Um, and I do think it will be his job when he comes back, even though Taysom Mills might be fine. But I think 
Michael Thomas had eight catches last week, right? For 100 yards. I had him in a league and he was he was good. He put up good numbers and Taysom Hill. Man, Taysom Hill looked fine. Taysom Hill's thrown the shit out of the ball. Like he looks like he's thrown it so hard and like relatively accurately. So that's a good call. Michael Thomas. How about Zeke? Zeke is fifth in carries in the NFL. He's sixth in red zone touches and he's like 17th in touchdowns. So what that says to me is he's knocking on the door of like a multiple touchdown game, potentially, you know, not that the offense has been great, but that's what they want to do. That's what they're doing. And it's, he just hasn't gone in. So I really wish that, uh, you know, that Dak always didn't get hurt. That put a big hampering on Zeke. And, you know, he, hmm. I really wish we could somehow know, like, players contract incentive sometimes because you know if you knew that Zeke was 200 yards away from making a quarter of a million dollars like you're like well that guy's probably might be playing a little bit harder than if he's not going to make that money. <laughs> so like that would be pretty like relevant <laughs> as far as fantasy Cause, or even like think about it it's like the last week and you know they might even like sit the next week because they're not Zeke but just maybe Mahomes or something and you're like this guy needs three more touchdown passes to make like a million dollars you're like don't tell me that guy's not trying to throw three touchdown passes yeah if you play like DFS you have to lock that dude in yeah so there's there's definitely um, things. the thing I don't like about Zeke is, is the last two weeks he gets uh, San Francisco and Philly to play again so that's not great but you know it's not great, but honestly, hey, can I just say, you know, obviously we cited the matchup with Derrick Henry, and it, it helps, but great players fade the matchup, honestly, in some cases. Like, you look at Chicago, I think it's Chicago with Thielen, it's like, who gives a shit? Like, Adam Thielen is great. Nobody nobody on that team can guard Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson. So they're probably, like you said, going to move away from running into the pile over and over again. And, you know, it's there's probably deeper stats that either one of us know on why that could end up being a really good game for the Vikings. But um, so let me go down a couple more players. So Chris Carson is like the TD potential of your team, right? Chris Carson is RB6 in touchdowns. So huge touchdown score. And he missed – how many weeks did he miss? Four weeks, I think. Three? Four weeks. Dude. So he's sixth most touchdowns in the league at running back, and he missed. So he he's like a 25-point game ready to happen. Um, and you got Mark Andrews. So I looked this up. He's got a 32% target rate in the red zone. So he's – I mean, that's – he is the red zone guy. Like Boykin – can't get it done. Hollywood certainly not like a jump ball receiver. So again, he's been like he's had a quiet year, but I think your team's a really good example of like you can basically get your preview for next year on some of these guys like Michael Thomas, Mark Andrews, Z, Chris Carson. That have been, you know, they've all been good, but they haven't been probably what you would hope for at their very best. Yeah, my I feel like you could see all of that right at the end and then pick it up next year and they're just back to roll. Yeah, I think something that's kind of interesting and like supports your kind of like touchdown theory of, you know, like those things can ride you to these wins or will get you losses is, you know, I'm going back through some of my scores and it's like I'll be, you know, week six, 79 points, week seven, 81 points, but then week eight, 120, week nine, 74. Mm. Be 10, 94, mm-hmm. 11, 168. So it's just 
crazy how feast your family and my team is. And, you know, if I can string together a couple wins here toward, or a couple big weeks towards, towards the end here, I think, you know, I definitely have a shot. I've been really, like, pessimistic about my team all year, especially after the deck injury. I, I know that you noticed. Um, mm. But I've really been trying to limp along and, and ride the balance of uh, trying to be all in on winning the championship but also not just depleting my team of future assets because, you know, I only had a couple picks in this last draft and I'm trying not to end up with just nothing as far as future assets. Yeah, well, and like I said, I, I think it's one of those things where it is hard to zoom out a little bit when you're in it, right? Mm-hmm. You were one long Aaron Jones run away from the championship last year and then this year you're watching other teams kind of like you know, outscore you and you look, you get the win, but it's like, man, but not by, not by that much. I didn't score that much, but like I said, I look at your team and Hey, Robert Woods. I mean, quietly he's 12th in touchdowns. Mark Andrews talked about him. He's, he's, he's the guy. He's the, he's the target. And if they get an alpha, I think that opens that offense up even more. And Eric Ebron top five in red zone targets. He's got 16 on the season. So do you have a lot of, you know, you have a young team. You got a team that's ready to roll again next year. And I, I that's my theory, man. The heavy, the heavy touchdown week. And it's like just raining. And, you know, I think that you're going to need that to win. But I also, I think you can get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that too. talking shit then what are we what are we doing if it's playoffs and nobody's in here shit talking then yeah it's just a, like why are we even doing this